We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Chino Aguirre says, showing love and support. God bless all Go Irish. Appreciate you, Chino, very, very much. I really do appreciate that kind of support. AST12321. Their question, did Notre Dame turn down Julian Sayan to take CJ Carr, or was it that Carr wanted to commit and wasn't worth waiting on Sayan to decide? If Notre Dame was willing to take Julian Sayan's commitment, that he would have committed before CJ Carr, 100%. No question about it. They liked CJ Carr better, and I think they made the right decision. I think Julian Sainz is a very good quarterback. I just think he's overrated as a top 10 guy. That like I don't look at him the way I did Jackson Arnold last year, where that guy has no business being in the top 50. Or I don't even think he's a top 100 guy. I really like Julian Sainz. I just think he's more of a top 50 guy than he is a top 10 guy. You know what I mean? And if if let's put it this way, Ryan. Don't kid yourselves, folks. If C.J. Carr was committed to Alabama and Julian Sane was committed to Notre Dame, their rankings would be completely reversed right now. Yes. yes. 100%. 100%. Yep. No doubt in my mind. I think they're both very good quarterbacks. I think the top of this quarterback class is very good. Yes. I don't think it's as deep as past years. I think after you get through like six or seven, there's a big drop-off. The six or seven for me off the top of my head, uh, it's obviously Rayola, C.J. Carr, Julian Sane. Uh, the kid that's going to Florida State, I really like Air Noland, and I'd I'd probably go Michael Van Buren probably next, and then there's a bit of a drop off for me. I like Van Buren. After that. I like Van Buren. Yeah. yeah, and I think he's going to a great system for his skill set too. Yep. I think there's a bit of a drop off after that. You know, there's some good quarterbacks, but like to me, Jaden Davis is not a top hundred quarterback. Uh, no, he's not. And there's and I to a degree they're singing at Elite Eleven this week. He's got some tools, but he's not a he's not a big time quarterback. The yeah. kid going to Penn State's got some tool, but he's not a, he's not a top hundred quarterback. In my I keep opinion. seeing his name this week, I haven't, I don't yeah. know anything about that. What's funny is certain people like uh, on on three keeps ranking him really high, and everybody else is like, no, he's not even the top ten. So this is really weird. Yeah, it's it's very very weird. On three's doing something weird. No way. Shocker, shocker. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Yeah, it's very strange. Very very strange. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. That, that's some good questions there. I, I, here's one, Ryan. I'm going to read this one because it's an NFL question and it's for you. John A1 asks, Ryan, NFL question, if you're on today. He is, John. So I we're going to rock and roll. John. If yeah. you're the G- this is a good question, John. If you're the GM of the Giants, who's more valuable to you, Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, actually a, it's a really tough question, John, because they both have something working against them, right? One, Saquon Barkley is a running back, which long-term mm-hmm. outlook, right? And the other side is that Daniel Jones is not very good, <laughs> but he's a quarterback. You know, I, I would still go Saquon personally, and it really goes against my being there because he's a running back that's had some injuries and there's just not an incredibly long shelf life. But I think that Daniel Jones gets you in the quarterback purgatory. That's what I think. And I think that that's what's going to happen to the Giants. I think the Giants are going to be a good, solid team because I think Brian Dayball is a really good coach. I do. And I think they have mm-hmm. some decent pieces. But I think Daniel Jones is good enough where the team isn't going to be a dumpster fire and you could reset, but they're also he's also not going to be good enough to take you anywhere that you actually need to go. So quarterback purgatory is what I think Daniel Jones makes yeah. you in New York. And I just I would ra- I personally would rather reset at the quarterback position. If if Saquon flames out in a year or two, it's like, okay, and move on from a running back contract. What's he getting 14, 15 million a year? You're not giving him $40 million a year like you're giving Daniel Jones, right? No, it's so, more than that. It's yeah. freaking more than that. I mean, Ryan, I think you nailed it. Yeah. The problem is you have two flawed guys in this conversation. Yes, for much different The reason that I would go with Saquon, number one, is he's a much better player, even with the injuries and the shelf life, but you're going to pay him a third of what you're paying Daniel Jones, basically. At least half. And, and, you know, Daniel Jones, you're paying him like he's a big-time quarterback. Yes. He's going to make $21 million this year, 45 and 24, 39 and a half and 25, and 56 and a half. That's his cap hit is 56 and a half in 2026. His salary is 35 and a half, 30, 46 and a half in those years. Plus there's like the $9 million signing bonus and a half a million dollar workout bonus and all that other stuff. You're talking about a guy, Ryan, that last year threw 15 touchdown passes. Yes. The year before through 10, the year before through 11, and the year before that only through 24. And even if you add the pass, the rushing touchdowns last year, Ryan, he had 22 touchdowns. And I know your team was good, but like I just – I don't. I literally would rather them draft a new quarterback every four years, and build around those other players because at least that way your quarterback's not making anything until you hit on a Pat Mahomes or something. Then to sign because that's the the purgatory you talk about. You're now committing uh, four more years at a lot of money to this guy. Meaning there's going to be some good football players you're going to have to cut the next in 24, 25, and 26 to keep a guy that's a quarterback that's a mediocre player. In my opinion, yes. to your point. Yeah. yeah. No, just a just a oh, okay NFL quarterback. Yeah. He's, now maybe he's he breaks terrible. out in year five, right? And they think he's going to have a big year. I mean, but but like seriously, did he show? You tell me because I I don't really watch a whole lot. Did he show yeah. any flashes of boy? If he can be that guy more consistently, he can be a big time player. I mean, I've never heard anyone make that argument to me. To be honest with you, I mean, the biggest argument that people make is that like he doesn't have great wide receivers, which is fair. It's not wrong. But, but you can still evaluate the position. Of, yeah. You can still evaluate the position and be like, he's not, he just, just doesn't move the needle for me personally. Like, he yeah. just doesn't move the needle. I, I think that he is in the realm of like, he's fine, right? Like, he's fine. He's not terrible, but like, I'm not giving fine 40 plus million dollars a year. I'm not Bingo. doing that. That's Bingo. the end all be all. Like it's not that if you told me I can get Daniel Jones for three years and let's say three years and $60 million, 20 million a year, like, cool, man, he's fine. Right. Like, but like, 
We're not talking about that, man. We're talking about a giant investment. I mean, you said $56 million is a cap hit one year. I mean, like, what yeah. are we doing, man? Things are about to get a lot tougher to fill the roster. It's just – and yeah. I get it. I, I see people in the chat, like, he doesn't have receivers. Fine, but, like, have you ever watched Daniel Jones and been like, man, that guy's good? Like, no. But even when other quarterbacks haven't had great supporting cast, I'm still like, well, that guy's really good, right? Like, he's really, really good. It's just you need to build around him. Why you need to give him more? He doesn't have the right pieces around him. I've never felt that way about Daniel Jones. I just watch right. him every week because I'm a. I live right outside of Philly, so like every week the Giants are on TV. I literally live in New Jersey. Every week they're on TV. Just, he's just fine, man. He's just fine. He's okay. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. And you don't, you don't win Super Bowls with okay consistently anyway. And, you, right. know, you can always. Throw in your Trent Dilfer, but like not consistently. You don't. That's a big problem with the modern day NFL, though, Ryan. If you so have funny. a if you have so a competent funny. quarterback now, you have to pay him forty plus million dollars a year, and it makes it really tough. So that's to me, it's one of those things that it creates less parity. People say, "Oh, there's more parity." No, there's not, because the teams that draft that elite quarterback and it works are going to consistently be better because they yes. have that guy. So you're you're going to have to pay Daniel Jones similar money to what the Chiefs are paying Patrick Mahomes. Which is wild. So yeah. when the Chiefs have to cut guys like, you know, Kendarius Tony, who was with the Giants, did nothing, goes to the Chiefs, and all of a sudden in the playoffs he's making big plays. Because he Why? Because he has freaking Patrick Mahomes throwing him the football. Right? That's the problem. And Daniel Jones isn't going to be able to elevate that inferior roster bec- that, like Patrick Mahomes can, like Josh Allen can, like Joe Burrow can. And that's, to me, going to be the problem. Yeah, You know, and then in order to win, you're going to have to basically do what the Rams do, which is, hey, we're going to sacrifice our future to win now and then have to get rid of everybody. I was like, yeah. OK, and, you know, and they, they accomplished their goal, but right. it's also not the team building of long term, obviously. Right. Like, and that's, that's the difference. That. Back in the day, if you found yourself a good uh, just a good quarterback, you could say, hey, I'm going to put this time. Like, for example, talk about the Giants. The yeah. New York Giants could not build the 1980s version of the Giants today. Because they would have had to pay Phil Sims so much money, they wouldn't have been able to keep Joe Morris and Mark Bavaro and yeah. Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks and all the guys that they had on those teams. You know what I mean? They they just wouldn't have been able to do it. They'd have had to cut some of those guys. And then they they're not the team that you think that 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 you would hope that they would be. And that's the problem. But that's like teams now are built more like the 1980 Denver Broncos. Great quarterback and hope, you know, that's how a lot of teams have to be built now because you can't afford, you can't afford to have all that. And that's why some positions get devalued. Part of the reason running backs are devalued now, Ryan, is because of how much you have to pay quarterbacks. You got to cut somewhere. Yeah. You can't cut it left tackle. You can't cut a defensive end. So where do you cut safety linebacker running back? I really, I really think that GMs get too much blame sometimes, man. Like roster construction is not easy, folks. No. It is not, especially when you have no. to overpay for these quarterbacks. Like it's, you could say, I mean, like it's like the Lamar Jackson situation there for a while, Brian. It's like you're kind of handcuffed because like he's been a really good player for you, but like man, now it's going to be tougher to fill the great team, and, and yeah, it's just. It's not easy. I feel like general managers get blamed yeah. all the time where I'm just like, I don't think it's that easy, folks. I really tell yeah. roster construction is not an easy thing, man. It's not. Yep. It, and it's one of the reasons I don't really enjoy the NFL, to be honest with you. It creates a lot of just not good football, to be honest with you. That's what it does. Um, Did you see who just jumped into the show? Yeah, at the what's doing, man? <laughs> so Vince, Vince, Vince is down in uh, with his sons in the, the soccer championship. So, so, so y'all, there's like a waiting room down at the bottom. Vince, I'm narking on you, dude. I'm sorry, dude. So, so Vince is at the hotel. So all of a sudden Ryan and I, Ryan's talking and all of a sudden the little screen pops up in the bottom of the waiting room and it's Vince on the hotel bed. Laying like this. How are you fellas? <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see that you, buddy. Awesome. All right, let's get let's get back on track. Hey Ryan, props to yes. you for staying on your answer while that was going on in the bottom of the chat. I'm focused, baby. I'm focused. <laughs> All right, let's see here, real quick. Here, here's one from Jordan Schreiber. Jordan Schreiber says, "Mailbag: 
One to ten confidence. I hate these ones, Jordan. You always do it, man. One to ten confidence on Justin Scott, Gerby Lambert, Carver, Carter Nelson, the Lamb with Notre Dame today. Zero. They are not all three committing to Notre Dame today. Yeah. Well, let's let's do it now, the way he actually wants it. Let's I'm, do it the way he actually wants it. Yeah. Um, Brian, how confident are you that Notre Dame lands Justin Scott as we sit here today? One to ten. Seven. Really? It may, wow. it may, he's the, to me, he's the reverse Keon. Interesting. That's what he is to me. Man, I, I, I said this on the board the other day or like last week, I forget what it was. I, I'm like a four right now, mm-hmm. man. Like, I, I think just, that's I, fair. I mean, <sighs> I don't to know, me, man. Ryan, I'm looking at it. I could see him committing somewhere else. Yeah. But I just think when it, when it's all said and done, that's what I think yeah. is going to happen. I hope you're right, man. I'm just not as optimistic anymore about Justin yeah. as I once was. Uh, Gerby yeah, Lambert. I'm back and I'm at, forth. Yeah. But I'm feeling better now. Gerby Lambert, I'm at like a eight, seven yeah, or eight. Same. Feel same. really good about that one. Feel really good about that one. Carter Nelson. Interesting one. I'm, I'm at, at like a seven. a seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. seven or eight. I feel a lot better about that one now. And you're you're now a week out of the visit, and I don't think it's faded yet. And that's a big thing so far. Yes. Now, look, George, at the end of the day, Ryan – Part of me wants to go lower simply because Georgia Notre Dame needs to prove that they can beat Georgia and yeah. for a recruit, right? That's still the big part of it. But I feel a lot better about beating a kid, beating them for a kid that's from Nebraska. Yeah. Than I would if the kid was from Georgia or Florida or the Carolinas. He, or hear, hearing how well Carter fit in with this commits this past yeah. weekend and also the fact that Georgia already has two tight end commits already yeah. in the 2024 class. I'm like, Here's another yeah. thing too, Ryan, that's interesting about this about this recruitment is Jared Parker has a chance right now. Like he hasn't really done a whole lot as a recruiter yet at his position, partly out of just circumstance. Because when he got hired, they already had a tight end in the class. They weren't going to take another one in the 22-3 class. They got they got uh they got Jack Larson early and you know, he they liked him, and at first, when they first got him, they weren't taking a second tight end. That's you know, things have changed and circumstances have changed and all that. But over the next month, he's got a chance to land potentially Nate Roberts, who announces yes. tomorrow. We'll see what he does, right? Who, who but, I think, for some context, out of the players that are on Notre Dame board at tight end, I think that Nate Roberts is the best player on the board, at and the he's tight end easily a top three tight end in the class, yes. if not top two. National, he's really good. Man. National, really good. Yeah, and you've got Carter Nelson. If you can close this summer with that, all of a sudden, any questions about okay, can Jared Parker recruit his position? Yeah, right, are gone. And I'll say this because they were trailing Georgia. I think clearly trailing Georgia coming into the visit, and the relationship to the players and all that was good. But but the presentation that Jared Parker did on how he fits into this offense yeah, was huge. For Not Notre really Dame. calling him a tight end, just calling him a pass catcher and Correct. a playmaker. And yeah. Correct. Yeah. And and it's true. I mean, Ryan, it's exact. It's the exact thing that Vince and I talked about the week before, or no, I said Sean and I talked about the week before of why Carter Nelson is so important because he's more Tyler Eifert than Michael Mayer. I mean, yes, Notre is. Dame used Tyler Eifert more as a boundary receiver than they did a tight end in his last two years in Notre Dame especially in 2012. And so that's the vision for Carter's like, you're not, I'm not using him like Michael Mayer because if yeah. I'm Carter Nelson, I'm looking at Georgia and Notre Dame. I'm saying, do I want to be Brock Bowers or do I want to be Michael Mayer? And with his skill set, that's an easy Brock answer. Bowers. Brock yeah, Bowers. Right. Yeah. So Notre Dame had to convince him. We use Michael Mayer that way because that's what Michael Mayer's skill set was. Sure. We're not going to try to use you like that. Here's how we're going to use you, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's exactly how I fit in. Because that's that's mismanagement if you try to use him like Michael Mayer. He's just not going to win the same exact ways. But also, there are things though that Carter Nelson's going to do, be able to do that Michael Mayer wouldn't be able to do, like consistently. Like you're not going to be able to, I literally, you could throw Carter Nelson outside in the boundary and just tell him to run a vertical route, and he could win against yeah. a corner off the line. Like he's that type of player with like, speed. Difference, yes, with speed. Yep. Yeah. It, the guy that I think I probably compare him to the most nationally is is you know two guys that come to mind as far as how you're going to use him. I'm not saying he's going to be as good, but Kyle Pitts is a is a guy that you look at and say that's very similar to how I see Carter Nelson being used in college. Body and then the other the other one's Devin Funches. 
at Michigan, who was who turned into a receiver. Yeah. They ended up tur- <laughs> calling him a receiver by the end of his career. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, those are two that stick uh, stick out to me. Yep. But look, so you know, we're at seven to eight on all those guys. Ryan's at a four. So yep. the odds of them getting all t- all three of them to me oh, are yep. lower because none of them are sure things. Yes, I think the 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 optimist optimistic part is that you get two of the three but i think they have a legitimate chance of getting all three i do yeah. a better than 50 50 chance of getting all three but it's barely because of the unknown of justin you, you know what's funny is that uh people have obviously been asking about like you know uh, notre dame taking a fourth receiver well folks you basically are if you get carter nelson in the yeah, class, pretty much so. <laughs> yeah he's a hybrid player for sure yes 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 yep, yes absolutely uh, he, here's one, Ryan, that I wanted to get to um, from Jordan as well. This is an, a, an interesting question. Jordan says Notre Dame sweeps, sweeps Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. They definitely make the playoff as what seed? I mean, I mean probably I, going defeated, right? I mean, I mean was... here's the thing, Jordan is is that's three out of twelve games. Yeah. So I'd need more context than that. You know, I mean, I'd need to know. Okay, did they get upset by anybody? Did, um, you know, did, did they not, there's just a lot of context that would be needed. We've yeah. seen teams, Ryan, have big wins during the season and not make the playoff because they had two choke losses or, you know what I mean? Like it, you just, it, it's, well, that's a tough one to, to, to say. I would think if they're good enough to sweep those teams, Ryan, they're minimum the 11 and one, yeah, which means that they're no lower than a two seed. I just don't think, Ryan, and this is what I'll ask you, I don't think yeah. there's going to be a lot of undefeated teams at college football. I think Georgia's going to be undefeated, at least in the regular season. Yeah. And we'll see who they play in the, in the West. Schedule. Yeah. Their schedule's soft. I don't think any of the Big Ten teams are going to, going to go undefeated for two reasons. Number one is Ohio State is the only of the three big teams that actually plays someone legitimate out of conference, right? So Ohio State could run the table in the in the Big Ten and lose a game. But then let's say they beat Notre Dame, they beat Penn State. Well, now you still got to deal with Michigan on the road. I think Michigan's going to lose a game. I think Penn State's going to lose a game. And I think Ohio State's going to lose a game. Now, I think they're all going to be legit title contenders, but I think they're just going to kind of somebody's going to knock each other off. And I could see a scenario where one of those teams runs the table, Michigan or Ohio State wins that, that game, and the winner's thinking, okay, we're going to coast. And then you got to go play Iowa. And you're yeah. thinking they're going to be the Iowa from two years ago. And then you realize they're not. And so I can see something like that, but, um, you know, ACC Clemson and Florida state both play tough non-conference games, especially Florida. I can see Florida state, just like Ohio state, they run the table in the conference, but have a loss because you know, the way they play the ACC got away with divisions this year. So there's a chance the chance that one, the team that runs the table in the regular season, Ryan has to beat that team again in the ACC championship game. So I don't think anybody goes in undefeated in the Big 12. I don't think it, the Pac-12 is going to be the hardest league, team league to go undefeated in. That's That might be the second deepest conference in college football this year, in my opinion, of it's good lot, teams. Washington, USC, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. You've Washington got, State, you, I think, will be better. Yeah. Utah, right? Yeah, so Utah. The, the four you mentioned, so Washington, Oregon, USC, Utah. You've got Washington State's ascending. They're they're a quality team. Oregon yeah. State, UCLA, yes. Arizona's going to be a decent team this year. You know, there are six that could knock somebody off like they did last year when they knocked off UCLA. You know, I mean, the, 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 it, there's some quality in that league, Ryan. Now, is it going to be – am I saying it's as good like their top six can go against anybody else's top six? That's not the point I'm making. I'm more about just – the depth of similar teams is as good as any league, meaning whoever wins it is going to have an even greater challenge than maybe who wins every other league, except if a if the SEC champ this year is a team from the West, that's going to be the toughest road. Because I actually – I don't think the SEC West is as good as it's been in the past, meaning I don't think the top two are as good as we've seen, but I think there's a lot of quality in the SEC West, like a lot of really good quality. So if an SEC – if the SEC champ is a team from the West – that will be a hard-earned SEC championship. And I yeah. feel the same way about the Pac-12. I think it's a very – like the, the Big Ten for me is the Big Three and then Iowa, maybe Wisconsin, and then, you know, what else? And I'm not sold on Wisconsin either because I'm not a big Tanner Mordecai fan. But the, Pac, the Pac-12 is very – I mean, you've got 
I would argue the Pac-12 has more top 15 caliber teams going into the preseason than anybody but the SEC. Would you agree with that? Yep. Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah? Yep. So uh, that's going to be a hard league. So the point is, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of undefeated teams. So if Notre Dame has a one loss and what we think is going to happen, and that is three of their wins, then they're that worse a two seed. I'd say the SEC champ's probably the one. And then Notre Dame's the two. Um, and then it comes down to like if Ohio State wins the big, if Ohio State loses Notre Dame and then runs the table, they're going to be in, yeah, and should be in. Honestly, if if Ohio State's only loss is a tough road loss to Notre Dame and then they run the table in the Big Ten, they deserve to be in the college football playoff, in my opinion. Barring they're just being a bunch of undefeated teams, but you're not going to want they're they say they don't care, but they do. They're not going to want to rematch in the semifinal. The, now they don't want to rematch. Period. Sure. But if you put it if you put it in the semifinals, you guarantee a rematch. If you put them in opposites, then you're at least a chance that one of them gets beat. So then you'd probably have Ohio State as the four, and then now it's like, okay, who's the four, who's this who's the next team that's going to be a three? Is it another Big Ten team? Is it an is it an ACC team? Is it a Big Twelve team? Is it a Pac twelve team? Is it a second SEC team? That's that's what we don't know. But yeah, I, I think the odds are pretty good. And I would argue yeah. if they're eleven and one, and that's their, if they beat all that's three of those teams. Like they're yeah. a two seed, in my opinion. Yes. Oh, easy. easy. And the only way they're not is if there's two other undefeated teams. That's the only way that they're not. Yeah. I just don't think there's going to be a lot this year. And it, man, if they beat all three of those teams, though, man, that is, Whew, yeah, 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 that'd yeah, be yeah. big. Yeah, that'd be big. We had a question from John A1. It says, the way the interior defensive line recruiting has changed, you expect a philosophy shift up front and which players would benefit the most from it. I do think we're seeing this philosophy shift, right? And it's not just yeah. it's not just interior. I think they just want to add some more beef. I don't think they're necessarily going through a giant philosophy shift inside. I think it's a combination of several things. But I, I think with with the field end position, I think that position is changing as well. I think they're going away from the big power player, the Myron Tungvaloa, the Riley Mills, the Nana types. The tweeners. Going to, yeah. yeah, going to more of a, a, a true edge player. Yeah. Javante Jean-Baptiste, Cole Mullins, guys like that, I Brennan think is more Vernon, of what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Traore, I think that's yeah. more of what they're looking for. Armel Mukum, you know, yes. type. So, by the way, we'll have some intel here over the next couple of weeks, but the early returns I've had so far in the first – week is that Bubakar and Armel are going to be dudes. I know so, Armel's going to work, man, and he's yeah. got a lot and of tools. And apparently Bubakar so. showed up in great shape and like ready to, to work. It's great to hear. So, yeah, very, very much so. Very much. Good question, John. Very good question. Did you, did you see Brandon Vernon show up on campus with a guitar in his hand, by the yes. way? What a, what a ball Not ball shocked man. at all. What I'd have been ball. more shocked if he didn't have one. <laughs> he had like a – was it was it a Megadeth shirt on? It was something like yeah. that. I was like, what a baller. Yeah. Man. That's an what interesting ball. kid. That's a really yes, unique yes. kid. I like that kid. <laughs> From John Climack. What's up, John? Pre-game meal thoughts. The Friday before our games, we did a walkthrough, training table, meetings, dinner, more meetings, but the food was always pasta, steak, or some other big old chunk of meat. We were always a pasta dinner beforehand, and yeah. uh, we used to do like chicken. We used to get a when I was in high school. We used to do catering from this one place where they used to get a ton of pasta, and they used to get chicken marsala. So you would mm-hmm. just have your chicken. You would have your you would have your so you get your protein, and then you would get your carbo loading before the game. That was always ours. Now I would always listen to the like if I was a head coach, I would always listen to the training staff, my nutritionist, stuff like that for meals. I have just always felt that more of a lean protein was better before a meal, you know? So like more, when you're going to have, I like pasta, you know, cause the energy and the carbs and all that, it's not good for someone my age trying to lose weight, but it is good for someone who's 18, 19, 20, 21 trying to get ready for a game. But I would, I would always prefer more of a, a, a marinade, like a, a sort of a marinara sauce as opposed to like a meat sauce. Yeah. And then having like a chicken or something more, that was more of a leaner meat. To, with it was always kind of my my preference with that kind of thing i was never a big guy. like i love red meat and i think there's a lot of health advantages of red meat i think red meat gets a very bad rap from everything i've ever studied i just don't know if, if i would call it a great pregame meal type of thing i think more of the lean stuff the chicken and stuff like that to me i always felt was better but again i would have completely deferred to my nutritionist and my you know team doctors and stuff like that for meal plans but just 
what I always thought my observations and what I always felt better on my stomach and what felt like what I felt made me feel like in at my best was more of something like that the night before. I, I think steak is more a like a it's it's more of a post game celebration meal. Oh no, I, I think it's a mindset thing, Brian. It's like we eat like kings and we play like kings tonight, yeah. baby. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah. I get you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. But not but I, actually I, I was, doesn't have the benefits, actual benefits of it. I, I was definitely a chicken and pasta guy though before yeah. games. No doubt about Agree. it. So, yeah. Agree. And it's funny how pregame meals before in college were so much different because yes. it was always a breakfast. Yes. Because we'd always kick off at like one o'clock in, in yep. college. So it's like, okay, it's a whole different animal, man. That's like steak and I mean not steak, but eggs and bacon and potatoes and fruit and, and, and stuff pork. like that. And for Friday yeah. nights, you would be eating pasta at like four in the afternoon and then get ready. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. For Friday Absolutely. night lights. Yeah. All right. Let's keep rolling. Irish Shy Town. Who are the non-Notre Dame players you're rooting for this season? Also, do you have any secondary team you tune into to watch on a regular basis throughout the season? I watch whatever's on TV, honestly. Irish yeah. Town. I, I don't really discriminate as far as like who I'm prioritizing on rot watching. Well, I will prioritize in regard from like if there's three games on, what's the better game? Like what's the sure. better coach teams? Like I'll watch teams, Ryan, and I'm sure you're this way too, that there's three good games on and you look at it and you say, Hey, uh, but I, I, I love that defense. I love that guy as a defensive coach. So I'll turn that yeah. one on. Or I love that offensive coach. Turn that one on. Uh, you know, as far as, is there a secondary team I tune in to watch? No, it changes year to year because it's normally I watch. What I usually do, Ryan, is I'll watch the big games or Notre Dame's upcoming opponents. It's usually who I kind of prioritize on game days on Saturdays if I'm sitting there. Is there players that I root for? I'd have to think about that one. I, I, I yeah. We mentioned earlier, I'm really I'm really hoping to see DJ Uyunglele have a bounce back year for Oregon State. I would really like to see that. I think Michael Penix is a great story. I hope he stays healthy and plays. Well, I feel a lot about him. Like I felt about Hendon Hooker. Like yeah. I just want to see him finish his career off. Cause he, you know, has been through some injuries and adversity and stuff like that. And, and see him finish off. Well, I'm trying to think of some other guys. I mean, Harold Perkins at LSU was fun to watch, you know? Yes. So if I have, if I have that game on the background, I like watching him. I don't know if I'd say I root for him. He's just more fun to watch, I guess. Guys that I root for. I have to think about that one a little bit. I hope Drew Pine does well at Arizona State this year. I do. I I think rooting for is very, at least for me, it's like rooting for good stories and comeback yeah. players is very like yeah. that's that's because, I mean, like I have some favorite players as far as like NFL draft perspective, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm going to tune in and watch them a lot. Like I'm going to do that. Like I love Braylon Trice from Washington. Like I'm going to watch Braylon Trice from Washington as much as I possibly can yeah. this year. But like. I don't know if I would say I, I'm rooting for him though. Like I yeah. just want to watch him. You know what I mean? That's like, what I was saying about Harold Perkins. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. different than like yeah. rooting for. Yeah. I don't, I'd I don't have really... to think about it. Yeah. It's, sto- it's that's, but that's what DJ is, right? It's, it's not that yeah. I have any personal relationship with him. It's just, it's a, it's a, I, 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 and I root for kids to have success that I think do things the right way. Yep. And DJ, you know, he had some comments recently that were, that were about, that some people took as like throwing shade at Clemson because he, he basically said like they all I just didn't fit the offense. And I I read I didn't think he was throwing shade at Clemson. I think he was just saying, hey, look, I just didn't fit. Just wasn't an offense for me. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. I didn't think he said it in a disrespectful like the way that Phil Jerkovic has said some things about Notre Dame last year. It's like Phil, just let it go, dude. Like move yeah. past it, right? Every, like here's the thing about Phil Jerkovic: when he left, most Notre Dame fans were on his side. You yeah. got screwed. You didn't get your chance. But then he just kept talking and talking and talking and just like being negative. It's like, bro, now you've Stop turned talking. all those people yeah. off of you. Like, just move on. now. And like, part of me wants to defend him and say, look, he keeps being asked this question. But I'm like, bro, you're in your 20s now. Just say, look, man, I, I've answered a million question about Notre Dame. I'm at Pitt now, or last year, I'm at BC now. I'm focused on my team. And like his comments, like before the BC, I'm like, you're not even playing. Why, why are you know, doing seriously. this? Like, I know you felt the need to get some stuff off your chest, but you're not helping yourself right now. You're not helping yourself to NFL scouts. are going to question like, what's this kid toughness wise? Like this thing is still bothering him like three I, years later. 
like especially when on. you're not playing man it's yeah playing. Like, and then like if, the if, comments if you have a chip recently, on your shoulder and then you yeah. can have some action to like back it up like cool that's awesome right. it's a little bit of a revenge thing like eh. like his comments recently ran i don't know if you saw them it's just like they weren't anything inflammatory just like you know bro move on my man like i, I love you i i think you got screwed but you've now alienated all the people that had your back by yeah. just continuing down this path, just let it go. And if some well, media asks me, then just tell them, hey, man, I, I'm focused on this team. I'm not, I, I've been at Notre Dame in three years. I'm not worried about all that. I'm just trying to, right. you know, be the quarterback of this team and lead this team. But I mean, you know, it, it's frustrating. So, like, I used yeah. to root for him. Uh, and it's, it's just, he's made it harder to be completely yeah. honest with you. I hope Tyler does well at Alabama. I hope that Logan does well at LSU. I mean, I think they're all good kids. I hope Drew Pine does well at Arizona State. I think, number one, I think that's good for Notre Dame, to be honest with you. Hey, you come to Notre Dame, you're going to get coached up, developed, and if it doesn't work out, don't worry. There's going to be a lot of big-time teams that want you, and you'll be able to go there and have success. Uh, I feel like I root for more coaches than players, honestly. Like, I – I'm not a Utah fan, but like I love Kyle Whittingham. Like I yeah. want him to be very successful. So like there's some you want coaches, coaches that, that like do it the right. For me, I want coaches that do it the right way to be successful. Yeah, you know. So that's that's a, that's another one too. And it's hard to root for certain guys that I know are not doing that. In my yes. opinion. Yeah. All right, we got a, we had a super chat down here. A couple actually, real quick. Super chat from Sam Anderson. Sam, thank you so much. BK's third season equals national championship plus best class. Should Coach Marcus Freeman have be the same? Uh, third season equals. I mean, honestly, I I not wait, why wait till year three? I mean, yeah. shoot for it now. Yes. Uh, and, and I would argue that that Brian Kelly's best class was not his third class. His first full class was his best class until. The two that I mean, I, you know, he, he, that was a pretty darn good class. Third class was a, a, a good class. It was his fourth class is the one that really took the next step. So his second class, which was his first full, and then his fourth class to me were the, the two best ones. But Sam, honestly, it, it all depends on what you're inheriting. And Brian Kelly walked into a completely different situation than Marcus Freeman is walking into. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in in a million different ways, I actually think Brian Kelly walked into a much better roster than people assumed. I mean, just go look at all the NFL players that he inherited. Right. But there was a lot of other things working against the team back then, you know, facilities, field. I mean, just a lot of different stuff. And then, you know, he finally figured it out. But look, I expect their name to compete, be competitive for that this year, to be honest with you. I don't I don't want them to wait till year three. Now, their best recruiting class could it, it will is going to be his if we're going to count it the same way that I counted Kelly's, which is the partial. His second class is going to be hard to beat. And I don't know. Here's a question for you, Ryan. This is an impromptu mailbag question that I'm asking that builds on what Bill's saying. If Notre Dame gets Carter Nelson, Gearby Lambert, yeah. Justin Scott, Bronte Johnson, and the kid from Ohio at safety, yeah, Bradley Shaw at linebacker. So not a perfect straight, right? But just really strong finish. Yes. Is this class better than last year's class? Yes, I think so. I think so. Agree. Because I mean, you still you still you have an elite player in Justin Scott defensively. Still got a really good linebacker in Bradley Shaw. Yes, some great upside on the D line, not just of Justin Scott. Yeah. Yes, you got a good corner class. You have an elite offensive class in that instance. I mean, you have one of the best they've had in a long time. Three great receivers, two dynamite tight ends, and I would argue maybe the highest tight end, like upside tight end in the class, in Carter Nelson. If you're able to get him, agree. Two very good running backs. One incredible running back and one really good all-purpose back. You have a five-star quarterback and a really good offensive line if you finish up with Gerby Lambert. So, yeah. The other thing, too, is if Joe Rudolph is able to land Gerby Lambert, yeah, he deserves a ton of praise because that'll be a pretty good offensive line class in a year where it's not a good offensive line class nationally. Yep. That would be a big a, – in, 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 in circumstances that are a little tougher for an offensive line. Like I've said, he's ultimately going to be evaluated by what he does in 25. Yeah. It's and, and it's hard to walk in and build relationships from scratch on offensive line, harder than any other position. And and you're having to replace a legend on top <laughs> of it. Yes. You know, like, well, you're not Harry. Well, you're right. I'm not. You know, but I'm going to 
do what I, you know what I mean? Like I, it'd be a big success for me. Okay. I think the only thing that would concern me in that situation is I would still be very concerned about the defensive back class compared to last year. I still think last year's DB class is better. Last year's line. Okay. Quarterback 24. Yeah. Running backs a wash. The best of the three is last year's guy, but you got two really good ones. Yeah. Receiver I, I, class. I'd probably give the edge to 24 just because you have two of them, to be honest. The number. Well, that's fine. Yeah. That's, but yeah. they didn't need to necessarily last year, right? Um, so I, I, that's why I go wash. Best player in one, n- great numbers in two. Receiver class, slight edge to last year just because of numbers. Yeah. Uh, tight end class, 24, 24 easily. Yes. Offensive line class, 20, 23. Barely. I mean, to me, numbers wise, but I really like this. I would really like this class, but I think Jagasaw is, a, is higher than Gearby is for now. Yes. But if I look at it compared to where they were as juniors, I don't agree with that. I think Gearby was better as a junior than Jagasaw was as a junior. The reason I think Jagasaw made such a big leap is, is that, I, and I don't know if Gearby will make that, is because Jagasaw was coming from further behind because he missed the entire pre- the previous season because of COVID. Yeah. Yep. So he needed like it was almost like his sophomore year, essentially. Like his sophomore year was his junior year. So I don't expect Gearby to make the same kind of leap as the senior that Jagasol did. Defensive line, 24 easily. And that's saying a lot because they had four had pretty good defensive line class last year. Yeah. Linebacker class 23, yes. defensive back class 23. 23. Yep. So 24. Let's just let's just go with running back being a wash, Ryan. Just you know, since we since we were split on that one, we'll just call it a wash. Okay. 23, 23 gets receiver, offensive line. Twenty four gets quarterback and uh, tight end. Yeah. Twenty four gets D line. Twenty three gets linebacker DB. So it's four to three. But here's where I think twenty four comes down into play. Notre Dame will have had better cla- a better class at, to me at the. arguably the three most important positions in football quarterback defensive line left tackle yeah jagasaw is a five-star but i don't think either of us are fully convinced he's a pure left tackle which i think gearby is in a perfect world if gearby and charles jackson are on the field at the same time gearby's the left tackle for me and charles is either right tackle or, or guard could you imagine if somehow down there, if somebody steps up at right tackle and Gearby's what we think he is, could you imagine in four years or three year, three to four years, a left side of the line of Gearby Lambert and Charles Jagasaw? Be pretty good, man. Be pretty good. <laughs> a lot of length. A lot of length. Yep. Yeah. So that so even though the position by position, it it and and if you're gonna say what you said about running back, then it, at best it's tied four to four. Right. But it's that premium. It's the quarterback and the defensive line both being better in 24. That to me puts the 24 class over the edge. That that would be the thing for me that that would would get it. So that good question. Very good question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had a super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you, Charlie. Are we in danger with the current projection of safety recruiting? What is it with Coach O? I'm told he works, O'Leary, I'm told he works hard and builds relationships. Is it negative recruiting or just not able to close? Thank you, Ivy. I mean, we we talked to Charlie. I, I know you jumped in a little bit late. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first 20 minutes of the show. We really dove into a lot of that. Yeah. At the end of the day, I don't think it's negative recruiting. I think it's just about being able to close. But at the same time, it's June 16th. We don't actually know how they're going to close in the secondary right now. We don't. So I want to see is I want to see what they actually close with. But as of right now, it's a it's a failure to close. Why? I don't know. Yeah. But 
that's how I see it, Ryan. I, I, it's not negative recruiting. It's not lack of effort. It's just failure to close. And that's a pretty important part of recruiting. And I understand so, it's, I understand it looks bleak right now, Charlie. So I completely get the sentiment, but like, again, you're in a good position with Bronte Johnson. And I think we need to remember this for a second. This doesn't necessarily mean that the board that we're currently looking at is all it's going to be throughout this entire process because right. Brandon Hillman wasn't offered until what October last year, something yeah. like that. Like he was a late, he was a late addition, obviously to the class. I know they had been doing work for a few weeks leading up to being offered, but he wasn't a guy that at this time last year we knew who Brandon Hillman was. No one knew who right. Brandon Hillman was. So that doesn't necessarily mean that there might not be a guy that's added to the board at some point, or maybe you do really well with Malcolm Ziegler this, this weekend. Like there's, there's opportunity that's going to be, I think in forward here, which is why, I mean, it's just my opinion. I, I feel like the, the kid Tabron Benny Powell that was offered yesterday. I'm not sure why that offer happened right now. Right. I it feels feel like, like a panic. have to rush this. Cause again, I, I, w- I would say to the recruiting staff and to the coach staff, like, Guys, I understand why you're feeling a little panicked, but like also just look what you did last year of finding a diamond in the rough late that was a stud and a guy that was a really good player in Brandon Hillman. Like, I just don't think you have to rush it. So, yeah, I think that there's still time. The only good news that I've heard at all is just the thought that they, that just because if, if they get this kid now, it doesn't mean that they're going to stop recruiting the position, which is good. That's, that's the only smart part about it. So to me, yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting, Ryan. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Let's go down to Christopher Galloway. Christopher says, question for coach. Seeing as you played and coached the quarterback position, what do you think the young quarterbacks should be concentrating on at this time? Footwork and knowledge of the system and timing. Those are the three things for me. I mean, on top of like, you know, obviously weight room and all that. But as far as their technical skill, footwork, mentally getting the offense down. And that, and that, the byproduct of that will be the timing. If your feet are in the right place and you know the offense, you're going to be much better thrower from a timing and anticipation standpoint. More often than not, those are the two primary things I'm working on: scheme consumption, footwork. That's that's a big part of it. Big part of it. And footwork just not only means at this time of the year, not only means you know your actual technical footwork, it also means you know, your footwork from an endurance standpoint, you know, can you drop back 500 times in a day and not lose your legs by the end of the game or end of practice? You know, that's a part of it too, Ryan is, is that's how, you know, receivers out there building endurance by just running a bunch of sprints on top of that. Sprints don't necessarily help a quarterback to me per se. It's, it's, yeah, those are, those are, I mean, all that cardio is, is good, but it's more about pushing yourself from a drop back standpoint to where you're just getting a lot of work in where you're not wearing yourself out but you're just building up those reps to where, hey, if you need me to drop back 50 times, I'm going to drop back 50 times and my legs aren't going to get tired at the end of the game. Right. It's also that part of it as well. And I'm not going to lose my technique when I'm fatigued. So like what I would do with a young quarterback is I would I would break up the reps. If I want him to take – if I want him to do 300 dropbacks in a day, I would make the last 50 be in somewhat rapid-fire succession after whatever you're – cardio or hard workout part might be yeah or after a big lift now that you're tired go out there do some go through some drops and really make sure you're focusing on your technique because now you're tired and does you know can you train your body to 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 keep your technique when you're fatigued i think that's a big part of it as well for me i think it's it's all about muscle memory man making sure your body is aligned and your Mm -hmm. mind is aligned as well so that when you get into that real hard part of the off season you're able to just continue to retain information and to continue to build on things like that's the core that's the or that's why you see all the footwork stuff this time of year especially for quarterbacks because you want to build off of it right like it's a fat you're, you're making the foundation basically this time of year yeah all right let's move forward it's good Coach good questions Couch. guys really brian i'm sorry just some great questions today you yeah. guys are really killing it today with the questions Coach Koch asks, when C.J. Carr comes to campus, do you see him in contention for the starting job? Can any of the current quarterbacks beat him out for the job? They'll have more experience than C.J. Barr by far. Yes, on both of those, uh, Ryan. To me, it's it's an easy answer. Do, you, do I see C.J. having a, a chance to start as a freshman? Yes, I do think he'll have a chance. 
Yep. Do I think the other quarterbacks have the potential to beat him out? Yes, I think they have the potential to beat him out. Absolutely. Both are true to me. Both are true. Yep. Yep. So I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. They, the question is, are, are what are they going to do for a fourth, if anything? That'll be the yeah. that'll be the big question mark. Yeah. Yeah. CJ is definitely good enough to make that transition quickly. But I mean, that's just based upon though. I mean, if the room is Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr, that's going to be still an inexperienced mm-hmm. quarterback room. Right. So yeah, CJ will have a chance to come in and play, but uh, is there a fourth that's added to your point? Is there a transfer portal quarterback? Is there a second quarterback in some capacity that's brought in? I mean, those things remain to be seen. Mark Applegate, I'll just answer this one real quick, Ryan. Uh, just wondering where I, where IB Nation will be doing a prediction video on uh, on what you guys think Notre Dame will do in the 23 season. That'll probably come closer to the start of the season. You know, we'll do some previews going into the season. We'll break down the schedule. But as far as, like, making actual predictions, I want to at least get through half a camp before we, we kind of do that. You know what I mean? So, like, we'll have preseason rankings and preseason projections and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, Vince, I think if if I remember correctly, the last couple of years, we've done those those preseason predictions like the two weeks leading up to the season, if I remember correctly. We'll do our, our you know, because then you want to know, like, okay, did somebody get hurt? Did, you know, you want to kind of know what the team's actually going to look like. So that'll come a lot closer. It doesn't mean we won't have a ton of preview stuff, but as far as just the final, the fun prediction, it'll, if, I had to, if I had to guess, like, looking at – I'm I'm not quite into that deep in August for our podcast schedule just yet, but if I, it's going to probably be like the week before the, the week, the week of the first game. It's like not the week of Navy game, but the week before the week of Navy game will probably be when we, when we do that. So I love seeing Vince in here, man. He's like chomping at the bit to get on the show right right now. Like Johnson jumping. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, and real quick, another quick answer, John Klimek. This may have been answered already, but what games are the uh, are the Abbey tailgates this year? I don't know for sure what all games we're going to be doing. I definitely know we're going to be doing one for Ohio State. That that one I definitely know. The rest of them, I'm not sure yet, John. Um, uh, we'll, we'll 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 figure it out, but we'll let you guys know in, in plenty of time when we're going to do stuff like that. Next question from Rob Tidoff. Rob, what's up, man? IB crew. Let's say. Doc and Marty are in DeLorean in 1988, a little back to the future here. And Miami converts the two-point conversion, and we finish the year at number two. Do we come back in 1989 and win the title? That'd be tough. <laughs> I mean, winning that game in 89 at Miami, I mean, I think they'd have a little bit extra motivation, kind of like Miami had motivation to beat Notre Dame. So maybe. But still, beating that Miami team on the road in 89 was not going to be easy. Yeah, it would not good, be man. easy. <laughs> But I, I would say if, if that team the other day and that team was cool, yeah. man. That team's really good. If uh but I gotta say this, if they if they um went back and somehow forced that, made that happen, I'd be very upset with Michael J. Fox and uh or with Mar- with Marty McFly and Doc Brown. And I say <laughs> you better you better go to ninety three and have that David Gordon field goal go wide. You better push that sucker wide and give us one back. You know what I mean? So <laughs> so you better give us one of those. No doubt. But I'd man. say I'd pay him off, man. I'd give him a little extra something, something to say, hey, don't mess with 88. Go to 93. Go back to 93 and have that date. Ha- no, here's the thing. Go back to David 93 and put some stick on Pete Bursich's hands on that last drive. So he makes that interception before you even get to the field goal. So that way you're not winning because they missed. You're winning because you made a play. So that's that's an even better one. That's what I would say. So how man, about Rob, them? Rob, I didn't know where that was going, by the way, Rob. I didn't I hadn't I didn't yeah. read the whole question beforehand. I was like, are we about to go to any time period and change yeah. something in history? I love those types of questions, yeah. but we did yeah. not. Yep. Yeah. Next question from Irish Fan 15. You've said before that the 2024 class is a down year at many positions. In my opinion, it is a down year nationally. How does 2024 compare overall nationally to 2021, 2022, 2023, et cetera? I'd have to go back and look yeah. at those all those classes again in in 21 and 22. I, if I remember correctly, I don't think 22 was a great year either. If I remember correctly. I thought last year was a pretty strong year at a lot of positions. There were some that were down. I didn't think last year was a great running back class, which is why it was so important to get Jeremiah Love. Yeah. I didn't think last year was a great uh was it a safety class? I, there were some there were some Big time dudes at the top. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem this year is this year lacks some of the same depth issues as last year, Ryan. But number one, last year was a much better quarterback year. 
an offensive line. <laughs> yes, much better offensive line year. The yeah. problem this year is that, like, I didn't think last year was a, a super deep linebacker class, but the top 15 was definitely better than this year's top 15, in my opinion. Uh, but it's like it's safety. Last year wasn't very deep either. This year's not real deep. But at least last year you had Peyton Bowen and Caleb Downs. I mean, you had two dudes. This year it's like I don't even know if there's that. Like I, you know, uh, KJ Bowen's really good. He's not Caleb Downs and Peyton Bowen, in my opinion. Mike Matthews might be if he actually wants. But he to wants play to play safety. offense. I know. That's I said a, if he wants to play safety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike Matthews. Yes, but even him, he's not Caleb Downs. But like, not many people are. Yeah. But yeah, he wants to play offense. Same with like Aaron Butler. I think he's a pretty good corner, but he wants to play wide receiver. So that's why he's going to Colorado. It's like, okay, go to a a school that's not very good so you can play receiver, you know? I I heard DeMello Jones might play wide receiver at Georgia as well. So That's interesting. Yeah, He's a good offensive player too. He is. Talented. Talented athlete. Yep. Uh, Real quick, I want to answer this one. Archer says, have you seen any Elite 11 film the last two days? If so, how would you rank them? Look, the only way I'd be able to rank them if I I saw a lot of film. I mean, there's not enough film on the internet for me to be able to say – Hey, here's how I'd rank them. That's why what we're doing on our board, Archer, is I have a friend of mine who's out there at those, and I'm having him give me feedback on how he would rank guys. Because I just, I mean, all the high, oh, that was a great throw. You're always going to see these kids making great throws when that's all you see. But, um, yeah, that's that's where I would be. And so from what I've been told from my guy, the best quarterbacks out there so far have been uh, Saiyan, Rayola, Carr, um, Air Noland, and probably – uh boy it's a good those are to me those are the four not, that have stood out not jade davis apparently no so. <laughs> no like the kid from florida state had a great first day not a good second day uh you know there's some other kids that have done well but he said those those three he said the three he said the best so far are, are the first three and Aaron nolan's you know fourth but you know not not super super close fourth but he's fourth but uh, I honestly, I, I, it, I'd be, it'd be irresponsible for me to to rank them, even with just the clips we've seen on the internet. I've seen a lot of those clips, but man, these kids are throwing hundreds of balls, and you might see ten per kid. Yeah. And so then you're saying, well, I'm going to rank them based on who 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 had the most impressive five best throws, and that's just that's not a good way to rank. It's a fair question, but I just, I that's not what I'm gonna Aaron gonna be Nolan's able to answer an for elite you. Name, it's an elite yeah. name, Aaron Oland. Yeah, it is. His first name's. I think he's got a cool. I his name first name's Prentice. I saw that Prentice saw that, Nolan. Yeah. I think that's a cool yeah. name. Like it you is. know, so um, yeah, he wanted to go with. Aaron but Nolan, so he's an is. NIL guy. He's going to be an NIL guy. I get it. Like, I'm Aaron Nolan. I get man. it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I understand. Don't have to like from, it, but I understand. Yes, from Ryan Schulte, is Jabron Payne a better compliment to Audric Estime than Logan Diggs was? Not saying I wouldn't love to still have Diggs. Just curious, what you project as a complimentary back? No, because I think I think Jabron is very similar to Logan. I mean, they they both have some make you miss ability. I think Logan's more powerful. I don't I don't think that you're running a whole lot different stuff with Jabron. I think my answer to that would be Ryan is I like where your head's at, but I think the guy that fits that more is if Jadarian Price can come back and be healthy, or Jeremiah Love can be a yeah, guy early right. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even Devin yeah. Ford, if like Devin Ford is is what he was in high school and maybe he's a freshman, he. He brings some slasher to the table, you know, Ryan. And so he's such a wild card, man. Yeah. I don't know what to expect from Devin yeah. Ford. I really don't know. But. So it, it, it's, I don't, I think Jabron, now listen, this isn't to say that Jabron couldn't be a really good number two. It just means him and him and Audric are just, that's the depth. It's not that they're necessarily complementing each other. I think, I think Jadarian and Jeremiah would be the two best to, as far as compliment. Because when I think compliment, Ryan, I think, okay you're bringing a, a complementary skill set this guy does this real well and then you bring this other skill to the table it's like the thunder and lightning you know you you don't yeah. want thunder and even louder thunder you know you want you want some different kind of skill set and i, oh, and I Vince don't know does he, Vince does wants that. all thunder no lightning all thunder baby <laughs> downhill that's <laughs> because he played in the triple option in high school like, he, he knows no uh, other way he knows no other way he, wa- he wants to see audrick as a dive back in the triple option yeah. let's do it man yeah Ryan Schulte, toughest schedule, Notre Dame, Bama, Ohio State, or Georgia? Georgia. I'm going to rank those. I'm going to rank those four. Okay. And the toughest for me is Notre Dame. I think the top of Notre Dame schedule with USC, Ohio State, and and, um, Clemson 
is tougher than Alabama's, which right now their three toughest based on preseason rankings is going to be LSU, Tennessee, and Texas. I don't think that's as good of a three. I think Alabama has very good depth. They got to play at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, at Kentucky, at Auburn, home against Arkansas. So they have a good schedule. They have a tough schedule this year. But I think Notre Dame also have to play at NC State, at Duke, at Louisville, home against Pitt. I think that to me is just a tougher overall schedule. Alabama's two. Then I would say Ohio State's three. Now, Ohio State has a a, a very challenging top-of-the-board schedule. They yeah. do. And and my my issue with the Ohio State schedule, and the reason I don't bang on Ohio State for their scheduling is because there's a lot of bad on their schedule, but it's not their fault. They can't help it that the Big Ten East is down after the first three teams. I mean, the Big Ten East is just not good outside of the first three teams, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if you uh, agree with that, Ryan, but that's how I feel. I, I don't think the Big Ten East is a very good conference. It's it's uh, after the Big Three. It's Maryland. I don't think that is that good. Michigan State stinks. Indiana's going to stink, and Rutgers going to stink. So it's not their fault, and and they don't determine who they play in the West. So yeah. they they don't determine that they don't get Wisconsin or Iowa this year. That's not their fault. They non-conference, they're playing Western Kentucky, which is actually a really quality group of five team. I respect playing a team like that, right? I mean, you, I mean, they got a really good quarterback. They're going to move the ball. If you got to obliterate them, that's a quality non-conference win. And then they're playing Youngstown State, who's perennially a, a really good one double A team. I, 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 I've always oh, said I, I don't like baby. playing one double A teams. Yeah, what's that? The Penguins, baby. Of, yeah, uh, I don't like playing one double A teams. So if you're going to play one, have it be a local team that's kind of in the state. You know, you're all state schools and all that. There's some benefit to it, whatever. And then their their conference schedule, you got to play Penn State and Michigan. So I mean, you have no reason in the way that the committee does today to play Ohio to play Notre Dame if you're Ohio State. Because like, look, you win, you go undefeated to win the Big Ten, you're in to play. You go eleven and one, and like Michigan got in last year or two years ago with a a loss in the regular season and had a joke non-conference schedule this year. They got in undefeated and played a joke non-conference schedule. Ohio state's playing a, a, a quality to me, right? For a team when they're playing in a nine conference schedule, that's a really good non-conference slate. You're at Notre Dame. You're playing a really high octane Western Kentucky team. And then a quality FCS team. I've said, if you're going to play an FCS team, make it a good one. Youngstown was yeah. seven and four last year. That's a quality FCS program. It's a quality, you know, uh, opponent. Just so Michigan's is just a joke. I mean, and and Georgia's is a joke, and and and, and not because the East isn't as good. Like Georgia never has to play the tougher part of the of the West, and, and their non conference is embarrassing. UT Martin, Ball State, and UAB, and like, come on, Georgia Tech, like, come on. Like, give me a break. It's ridiculous. Georgia Tech. Nice. nice. You know, and, and like if a team in the West wanted to say, hey, look, we're not scheduling hard out of the conference because we got to play in the West. I wouldn't like that, but I'd understand it. You, you don't yeah. have that excuse because the East is not good. So uh, George is a distant four for me, Ryan. Oh, as far as regular four. season schedule. Distant four. four. And then Michigan is a yeah. distant 113. <laughs> I mean, it, like theirs is a joke, yeah, an absolute joke. You know, the team I can never understand, Brian, is Maryland's. Every single year, I watch Maryland's, and I'm like, that team has talents, and yet they're not very good. I don't yeah. understand. Maryland's it's not coached well, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's Mike really Loxley. what it boils down to. Mike Loxley, yeah, yeah. We had Domer Grizz. What's up, Domer? Says way behind on podcast, but just listen to you and Sean discuss the new athletic director. If Notre Dame wins a natty in 2027, is that more Jack Swarbrick's legacy for hiring Coach Freeman or PDs for the moves the next four years? I think it's both. In 27, you're kind of getting a little too far away from Jack Swarbrick to truly give him a big chunk of the credit. But I do think in a lot of ways, Jack will have laid the framework for it. But if it if it if Marcus Freeman doesn't win a title, so that'd be 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Year six, I don't know that you can give Jack Swarbrick a ton of credit because he'll have, what, a year and a half under Marcus Freeman, basically, as the as the guy. So that, that would be my thing, maybe two. So that'd be my thing. I think they both deserve some level of credit, but if it's 27, then I think you're most likely going to have the, the the other guy be getting a lot of the credit for that. 
as the I'm not giving Chad Swarbrick any credit at all. <laughs> Zero. And the sarcasm is back. All right. That's so not let's sarcasm. Move. That's actually okay. not sarcasm at okay. all. <laughs> okay. 